0: What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera here with you with a very special guest. But before we get to that, I just want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation podcast network. I always say, if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it on the show. Uh, Like I said, special guest tonight, one of my favorite people in the entire audio business. You can hear him on WFAN, Evan Roberts. Evan, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. How you doing? i'm doing great i've been a fan of yours forever i listened to you when you were on the overnights i listened to your old partner joe beningo i listened to joe when he was joe from saddle river (laughs) and guess what the jets still haven't won a championship (laughs) something that he will never ever forget you are one of the biggest jet fans that i know of in the business so i wanted to have you on because i want to talk a little bit about your jets about trey lance and how he compares to somebody in the quarterback class that being zach wilson your presumed quarterback of the future. We're going to get to all of that. Uh, First thing is first, though. How long do you think it takes to evaluate a quarterback? How long do you have to watch a guy before you feel like you
1: know what you have? I I feel, and I've learned this because I'm an expert on watching young quarterbacks and trying to formulate opinions because every three years, essentially, the Jets draft a quarterback. (laughs) We compare them to Joe Namath. We get really excited, and then eventually we throw them in the trash. That's usually how it works. To me, I will know by the end of the second season if that guy is the answer or not. Uh, I've learned the hard way, though, because there have been times in which I jump to a conclusion or I say, no, wait longer. Like with Sam Darnold, that's when it really hit me. No, 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 we got to wait longer. And then you realize that, and to me, I look at it this way. In the last 15 years, let's say, 20 years, the modern quarterback era, if you're a first-round pick, if you're a highly projected young quarterback, we know within two years. Like We haven't seen too many guys struggle for three years and then all of a sudden find it. It doesn't happen that way. So to me, it's two years and then you know. That's why in New York, and obviously I'm a Jet fan, but I watch the Giants talk about the Giants. I already know Daniel Jones isn't the answer. I feel like we're all wasting our times right now trying to think oh this is the year for Daniel Jones it's not the Giants will be looking for a new quarterback next year I'm pretty confident of that
0: if the Giants thought there was even a chance he could be the guy they would have picked up his fifth year option which they didn't do right because he's not the guy they know that too (laughs) Uh, you're right about the two-year thing but when I think of Daniel Jones I just think of him running in the open field and falling on his face and I feel like at that point I was like this can't be the guy which is not fair I know
1: know, it's it's so not fair because Daniel Jones's best attribute is that, is his (laughs) athleticism. And so my biggest issue with Daniel Jones right now is that he can't stay healthy. I can't rely on him to be healthy. And now I have a new head coach saying, yeah, maybe we got to be calmer with the aggressiveness. Well, if you take the aggressiveness away from Daniel Jones, what the heck is he? He's not that good. So I thought that play, unfortunately, it's kind of like the butt fumble from Mark Sanchez. It's become overblown and not fair. And unfortunately defines a guy when there's a lot more that should define the guy.
0: Sanchez is the ultimate contradiction to what we have just said, right? Two years. Well, after Mark Sanchez's two years, he was in the AFC championship game both years. You thought he was the guy, and then he ended up not being
1: the guy. You know what the exception is with him? Because you're right. Like, two years in, back-to-back championship games, beating Peyton Manning, Tom Brady on the road, and (laughs) back-to-back playoff weeks, the exception is they were never asking him to do all that much. And we knew that. They were ground and pound. They were kind of hiding the warts. So... I think kind of like your boy, Jimmy Garoppolo, you kind of knew you're winning, but you're not winning because of him.
0: Yeah. Except Jimmy Garoppolo had an NFC championship game where he threw eight passes, (laughs) not completed. He threw eight passes. If it was up to Rex Ryan, the same thing would have happened with Mark. Very true. Um, All right. Let's, we're going to get to Trey Lance in a minute, but let's go to Zach Wilson right now, because I have maintained that. Trey Lance gets more criticism, especially considering he has only played 10 quarters than anybody should get given his level of experience. And he gets more criticism than anybody in his draft class. Zach Wilson, of course, was picked one spot before Trey Lance. I have heard that if Kyle Shanahan could have picked anybody from the draft, he would have picked Zach Wilson, that he absolutely loved him. What is your takeaway from Zach Wilson's rookie year?
1: I thank God that he came back from his injury and looked like a different guy because prior to that injury that created the whole Mike White phenomenon, at least in New York, where we thought, oh, maybe we have an answer with him. Zach was awful. Like Zach would show you these small flashes of brilliance, but for the most part, the definition of Zach Wilson was he couldn't make the easiest pass in the world. And it was tough to really get that excited about what we saw from him prior to that injury. When he came back, there were more flashes. He wasn't turning the ball over and he looked like a different guy. Now, am I putting him in the Hall of Fame? Am I 100% sold on him? No. But I think after a rookie season in which you're looking for progress, he gave us that because he was a lot better in the second half of the year than he was the first half of the year. And then you always have built-in excuses with young quarterbacks that he doesn't have a lot of great weapons. Now he's got no excuse because they've spent the entire offseason really supplying weapons around them, even building up this offensive line, which I thought was actually their strength last year, believe it or not adding potentially the best running back in the draft. So I, I think that his rookie season was uneven, but I went into the off season with some confidence because he played well towards the end of the year, but you got to understand something. We have the lowest bar in sports. I'm not kidding you. Like our bar as jet fans was just be competent. Just don't embarrass yourself. We were coming off of Adam Gase. Oh. We were coming off of Sam Darnold. So I guess that's complimentary what I said about Zach Wilson, but you got to take it with a grain of salt knowing all we just wanted him to do is complete the simple out pattern. And we'd be like, great. He threw a screen pass and he didn't bounce it. That's what we were looking for in the second half of Zach Wilson. I feel like Niner
0: fans are overly optimistic. Most of them on Trey Lance, he's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. I think Niner fans generally are overly optimistic about every young quarterback that we have. Are fans in New York overly optimistic about Zach, or are they pessimistic given how many quarterbacks you've gone through?
1: Believe it or not, optimistic. Because I think as Jet fans, we are just so thirsty for any kind of success. And so even though the Jets won four games last year, because it wasn't Adam Gase, because there were flashes, the game against Cincinnati, the loss against Tampa Bay, where really it was a brain fart by Zach Wilson and ultimately cost them on a fourth and long one or a fourth and two in which they called a quarterback sneak. I try to put that game out of my mind, but it's still there. <laughs> I think that overall, most young jet fans want to be optimistic. And, and I do think there's a split. Like I'm kind of on the, the precipice of both because I'm 38 years old. So let's say 40 and under the 40 and under jet fan is optimistic. They want Zach to be the answer. And they talk themselves into believing he's the answer. If you're 40 year older, like my old partner, Joe Beningo, you think same old, same old, same old <laughs> Jets, Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez, even though I don't like putting Mark in that category, but you know what I mean? So I do think there's a split, but overall, I think people are just so thirsty for optimism because the Jets have been so bad for so long. This playoff drought is insane that we're looking at. It is the longest playoff drought in the NFL
0: right now. Uh, he's got an uphill climb, Zach, because not only do you have to play, obviously, Bill Belichick, but you've also got... Josh Allen in your division, you've also got the dolphins who appear to be loading up. Maybe two is the guy, maybe he's not, but I feel like, like we were just talking about Mark Sanchez, Mark could kind of get by with not having to put everything on his shoulders because the running game was so good. And the defense was so good. And the division, I feel like wasn't as strong
1: overall as it is now, Zach's
0: got to play at a really high
1: level to compete with those guys. Yeah, I think the one thing that helps that's different than last year is I liked Michael Carter. I thought he played well, but I kind of knew early on this is not a bell cow running back. This is not a guy that literally can have the ball in his hands 20 to 25 times. So I think drafting this Brees Hall, who could be that guy and certainly kind of limit the role of Michael Carter, may take some pressure off Zach that they may have like a legitimate running game that he can lean on. I think the offensive line has a chance to be better. So I think there are things about the way the Jets are built offensively that may take actually a little bit of pressure off Zach. But to your point about the defense, they hired a guy who was supposed to be a defensive mastermind. Uh And, and look, I acknowledge talent wise, the jets had very little talent defensively, very little. The corners were all kids. And I get that. The expectations are changing. You draft sauce Gardner. It's supposed to be better. Carl Lawson's injured even before the season starts. So I, I understand that the jets lack talent. Okay. With that said, they put together some of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen. And I'm a jet fan. Wow. I've seen bad. Like there was a back-to-back week run where they gave up. I think it was 85 points. It was, it was bad. So I'm not speaking for all jet fans. I know Beningo, my old partner feels this way. Robert sala has got to show us something. Like just because you, you jumped up and down on the Niner sideline, doesn't mean you're a brilliant head coach or a brilliant mind. Now he has weapons. Now he has talent. And to the point you just made, this defense needs to become a strength. It needs to become a top 15 unit in the National Football League after being really, really bad a year ago. So, pressure's on Zach Wilson, sure. Pressure's on this head coach. Let's see if he really knows – let's see if
0: he can really coach. And the interesting thing, the weird thing about Jets head coaches, they hire a new guy, and, like, usually they make the playoffs right away and then get worse – Robert Sala, obviously, he's got a little work to do picking up the just the ruins that Adam Gase left the
1: organization. in. even, you know, it's funny. It's a great point that you make, because that was always the joke. You hire a head coach, you make the playoffs, and then you go back to being the Jets <laughs> with Todd Bowles. They won 10 games and he make the playoffs. They lost right. that last game in Buffalo, but they won 10 games. Even with Adam Gase, their first year, they were significantly better than the following year. So usually the track record is the best of the head coach will be right out of the gate and then the worst is yet to come, that better not be the case with Robert Sala, considering they won four freaking games last year. So you think Sala's on the hot seat this year? I don't think he's on the hot seat because I believe that Woody Johnson is going to be really patient and loyal with Joe Douglas and with Robert Sala. I'm just telling you as a fan, I need to see something from him because I think last year a lot of it was, hey, he's not Adam Gase, he's great. It's like, well, (laughs) hold on a second. I need to see something. They won four games Their defense was historically bad at times. And now I feel this season is a no excuse here. And that that doesn't mean they have to make the playoffs. doesn't mean they have to win 12 games. I'm not really talking out of my ass here, other than they need to be good. They need to be better. They had a draft that was lauded by everybody. Everybody said, oh my God, this is the greatest draft ever. Like, no excuse time. So no, Sal is not on the hot seat. I just think as a Jet fan, let's see if this guy can coach because he really didn't show us that much last year. Yeah, the Robert Solo sideline reaction
0: shot was a staple at 49er games for sure. Yes. Uh, it's a little easier to get pumped up when you've got, you know, Nick Bosa and guys like Fred Warner running around making plays. So, you know,
1: I could understand maybe Brandon Eckles is not going to make you jump up and down if you're Robert Salo. So yeah. this year's got to be different. I want to see those reaction shots because that means something good is happening. All right, let's get to
0: 49er side of things now with Trey Lance. You are obviously... 3,000 miles away from the 49ers, which is exactly why I want your response to this question. What is your impression of Trey Lance? Because it seems like everybody has weighed in on a kid that
1: has not played very much football. That's it. That's my opinion. My opinion on Trey Lance is we've barely seen him play. And I guess that's kind of a good thing that he had his first season where he wasn't, you know, overexposed or played awful. I mean, not that it was a Patrick Mahomes thing, but worked out so well for Patrick is that he basically redshirted an entire first season. So my view on the outside of Trey Lance is the guy barely played. It would be foolish for me to have a strong opinion that he sucks or a strong opinion that he's God. I don't know. I mean, it's clear that he should be the guy. It's clear that we're going to get that opportunity to see him. But I find it very, very odd to form. And look, we do it in New York all the time after one game of a quarterback where now we all know if this guy's the answer or not. People were burying Eli Manning like the first year of his career. Obviously, the guy turned out to be okay, not too bad. So my view from the outside is, let's see the kid play. Clearly, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer. I can give you that opinion from 3,000 miles Thank away. You. I know he's not a franchise quarterback. I know that for a fact. So let's see what this kid is. But we got to see a hell of a lot more than what, like 80 pass attempts in his entire career, something of that nature? 71. 71. I, I overchanged it just a little bit. It's absurd that people come up with these strong takes
0: either way. I never understood it uh would you trade zach wilson for trey lance right
1: now so the answer is no but you got to understand why about three months ago i wanted to trade the 10th pick in the draft for dk metcalf why not dk is an elite level wide receiver in my opinion as soon as that pick becomes a player and in this case garrett wilson i don't want to make that trade like that's my guy i want to see what he becomes i want to see if he can become a superstar so in the, the view of Zach Wilson, it's kind of the same thing with Deshaun Watson, which I know is different because of all the legal stuff. But before the legal stuff occurred and Deshaun was just a guy who was unhappy in Houston, of course, I was want to trade a million picks for Deshaun Watson. But once Zach Wilson becomes a guy that now I've invested time in, I've invested emotion in, I want to see it through. So me saying I wouldn't trade Zach Wilson for Trey Lance is not a view of what five years from now is going to look like. It's more... I can't live with Zach Wilson going somewhere else and being great when he was mine. I need to see it through with him and see if he's hopefully the answer.
0: Yeah, I think it's different.
1: It, it's different to
0: win with your guy, with a guy you draft and develop. Like, I'm sure it's cool for the Bucs to, to win with Tom Brady. That's awesome. But it doesn't mean as much as, or as much as it would if you did win a Super Bowl with a guy you drafted and maybe struggled this first couple of years and then ultimately overcame.
1: Well, okay, so here's my problem with that. All right. I'm a loser. I've seen (laughs) nothing. So if you're telling me I've got to take an old Peyton Manning or an old Tom Brady and that or Brett Favre, I mean, let's not forget, we had him for a year, I would take it if it meant winning. So, yeah, if you guaranteed me the success, I would do it. But I understand the point. And I've experienced this as a baseball fan, as a basketball fan, where there is something more about watching guys develop, watching guys struggle and then become great. But at this point, I got to tell you, I just want to freaking win. So I don't care who the hell the quarterback is at this point. The amount of
0: competition in the AFC is absolutely absurd this year. I, I can't remember a conference where there's like two bad teams and the rest are could be really freaking good.
1: It's it's a part of why I have a really tough time making the leap that the Jets are a playoff team, because I think in like a past era, I could talk myself into it based on the draft based on some small positive signs I saw at the end of last year, but you're right. I mean, not just the AFC East, but just finding a way to be better than enough teams to make the playoffs seems unreasonable. And when you look at the jet schedule, I mean, if you just went through the jet schedule and said, how do you find eight wins? And I don't think eight wins even gets you into the playoffs, but you play just a conservative game of finding eight wins. It's tough to find. So I'm excited for the season. I'm hopeful for the future, but, the competitive nature of how good the AFC is makes it very difficult to even imagine like a surprise playoff run.
0: Well, I hope it happens. I was so pumped up on the Robert Sala hire. I was telling people, I told Mike Greenberg, I think the Jets have hired the best head coach they've ever had. Now, (laughs) that's not looking too good right now after a four-win season, but I really thought that he was going to come in there and have success, especially Kyle Shanahan was glowing about Robert Sala. So I'm hoping that he can bounce back a little bit, given another year to kind of turn the roster over.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to bury the guy by any stretch. And I hope you're right. I was inspired by the hire. Like, I was excited about the hire. I think a part of it was, again, not Adam Gay. So you're just excited about any human being. <laughs> that's not him. But hopefully he turns out to be that guy. But we got to see a lot year two. I think year two is going to really determine, you know, where this franchise is going with the head coach and with the quarterback.
0: How big a deal or how big of a discussion was Debo around draft time? Did you think that
1: you were getting because I thought you were getting Debo Samuel at one point? I did. I I did, too, because Joe Douglas made it seem as if after failing on Tyreek, hey, we're not done. yet, Hey, we're still in the game. And so I think any time an elite level wide receiver was rumored to be available and knowing the picks the Jets had, it was logical to think that a they'd be aggressive to do it because they were willing to do it for Tyreek. And, B, they got the weapons to get it done. So I did go into the draft thinking it would happen. Now that it hasn't, I'm kind of good with where they are. Uh, I've already fallen in love with Garrett Wilson. That's the that thing. Is. I know that's crazy. but that it's crazy. You know, you know what it is, man? You learn about them. So you hear about his dad who made him that video, telling, giving him lessons on life. And you read about what kind of guy he is, and you see interviews with him. And he just becomes your guy. And it's not a knock on – I'm not saying – Garrett Wilson's better than Debo Samuel. I'm not making that argument, but I think as a fan, you're like, all right, let's see if this guy's our guy. So whether it's Debo or DK Metcalf, who could very well be available as much as I would have loved to have done it a few months ago. Now it's about, all right, I got my guys. Let's go. The two guys, well, two of the guys that
0: I interviewed before the draft were Garrett Wilson and sauce Gardner. When I ended my interview with sauce Gardner, I was like, I love this guy. Like he told me, I said, you know, it's Vegas. You're going to go to the draft. He was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the draft and then I'm going to go, I want my playbook. I don't go out. I don't drink. I don't do anything. He said, all I do is study my playbook, watch film and play video games. I was like,
1: you're the best guy ever. I know. I love it. I love it. Now (laughs) it's got to translate. Now the guy's got to go out and perform at a high level, but you know what? The jets have had so many misses over the last 30 years that, the party says they're due to get it right, and if Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson become stars, especially after last year's draft, which actually looks good, it looks like Joe Douglas hit it very well in 2021. Maybe they're building something for a change.
0: I was geeking out because Trey Lance said recently at a at a press conference that he has talked a fair amount with Steve Young just about developing as a quarterback, all that stuff. And I'm like, yes, that's good. Gotta Steve love Young. that, right? Like that's great. Do you think that Sauce is going to like reach out to Revis? Do the Jets have that kind of like history with some of their guys or is it not really like that thing?
1: I think recently it's starting to become more like that. I had heard for a while that, and it really depends who the head coach is. So when Eric Mangini is the guy, I heard the relationships were kind of cool. And that was a long time ago, obviously. Yeah. But he didn't kind of bring in the history. I heard Robert Sala has been very good with that. So you're a young offensive lineman. Why not talk to the brick? Why not talk to Nick Mangold? And the Jets recently announced that the brick Mangold and Revis are going to go into their ring of honor. So yeah, I think that Revis is kind of part of the family again. And certainly Robert Salah seems to be. I is one big compliment I have of him is it seems like he gets it. And so if Revis can give any wisdom to Sauce Gardner, it'd be greatly appreciated. Because for my money, I think Darrell's the greatest Jet I ever watched. Yeah, when people. I think people don't remember. At his
0: peak, he was absurdly good. Like, the people best. were not getting, like, 40 yards
1: against him. It was crazy. It was remarkable. You were watching greatness. And I think sometimes with Jet fans, they think too much about the holdouts and the eventual trade and him always wanting a new contract. Look, it's business. And Rivas was a businessman. But when he was at his best, he was better than anybody I ever. So I'll play football for the New York Jets. Revis,
0: I feel like, could have an impact on sauce. I don't know if Joe Namath calling up Zach Wilson
1: no. has the same gravitas. <laughs> no, and it's, I love Joe Namath, even though to me it's, it's history. I didn't witness Joe Namath win a Super Bowl. And, and there comes a moment, I feel this way as a Met fan. I'm sick of hearing about the 86 Mets. I'm sick of it. I want to finally win a title. I'm so sick of hearing about those stories. And it's the same thing with Joe Namath. I'm sick of hearing about the guarantee. I'm sick of hearing about <laughs> Broadway Joe. And, yeah, I think the generational difference is so great. I mean, Zach Wilson could be his freaking grandson. <laughs> like, it's huge. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if it works the same. But that's it. Like,
0: who is the other Jet quarterback that's going to call up Zach Wilson and offer words of wisdom?
1: I mean, Chad, Chad? Pennington. Chad was a good Jet. Yes, yeah, he, he was. was. A, he was a good Jet. Vinny Testaverdi for a short period of time was a good Jet later in his career. I mean, helped them get to an AFC championship game. So... It's not, it's not a long list. You know who actually I think could be helpful? And, and not in terms of that he was great, but in terms of understanding the media and the pressures that come with it is Mark Sanchez. Yeah. I think Mark can be very, very helpful because he had all that success early on. He was the next Joe Namath early on to a lot in the media and just certainly to Jet fans. So I think he as a matured man could certainly give advice in, in terms of handling that aspect of things. He's a decent analyst, too. So I don't mind him calling a game. No, he's
0: pretty good. He's had a, a nice career. Well, you have restored my faith. It's nice to see that people outside the bubble are not, you know, looking at Trey Lance like a finished product after 10 quarters. I greatly appreciate it. I still think that he looked better than Zach Wilson, but maybe that's my bias coming through. I'm fully willing to admit that. I understand. Um, But it is going to be interesting to see how they all develop all the quarterbacks from that class. I still think that I, I don't know how you feel the whole Mac Jones thing was a big thing in San Francisco. I'm still thrilled. The 49ers did not take Mac Jones. I want no part of him. I assume you feel the
1: same way. Mac Jones is a figment of our imagination. When we have this discussion three years from now, and we go back and look at this draft class, I'm telling you right now, Mac Jones ain't even going to be in the discussion, especially since
0: Josh McDaniels is now gone. And apparently Matt Patricia is going to be the <laughs> offensive coordinator for New England.
1: Okay. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, everything being done to screw the kid up. I love it.
0: I love it. You know what? After the friggin' Patriots made the AFC championship game every year for eight straight years and had all the success they had, They're due for a long run of futility. They are
1: due for a Jets-like run of ineptitude.
0: (laughs) Evan, thank you very much for the time. You can hear him on WFAN. You can hear the Evan Roberts podcast. You can also hear him on WFAN weekdays, I should mention, and Saturday mornings. so You get plenty of Evan Roberts. I greatly appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Evan Roberts of WFAN in New York. That's going to do it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. And that's going to do it for my vacation. I will be back tomorrow on Thursday for the Gold Standard Podcast with the Human Wet Blanket, Levin Black. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk tomorrow.